I feel like this could be all I need in life. I just have my house and I have one apartment complex that has like 50, 60 units, which now I know it's not as easy as I imagined back then. But it was just like, oh, that could be it. That could be like the one key that unlocks everything. I don't need to be a billionaire, but why not? And so it was in the back of my mind, but I had never really thought again how practical it could be until I went to that seminar. And I was like, oh, wait, not only it's doable, but it's also not that hard and it could also be quick. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Lady Landlords podcast. I am your host, Becky Nova. And today we are having one of my favorite types of episodes where I get to interview a member of our Lady Landlords community about her story and her success in real estate investing. So today I have Linda Holtz with me. Linda, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. We have known each other now for years, which is crazy. We met through real estate investing, have become friends through real estate investing, and I have loved seeing your journey and what you've been doing in this industry. So I want to dive into all of that today. But just to start, why don't you just introduce who you are to our audience? All right. Sounds good. Well, my name is Linda. Like Becky said, my name is Linda Holtz now. I just got married recently, legally a couple of months ago, but the big party was just a couple of weeks ago. So it still feels a little unreal. I'm from France originally. So that's where I tied the knot I'm from a little town next to the border with Switzerland. So I'm kind of like the Haiti. <laughs> I don't know if that was a show you guys had when you were kids, but we had that, that little girl in the mountains. That was me 30 years ago now. Oh, um, Heidi? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was for those of us from the 80s. That was very exactly. Uh huh. Exactly. I, I don't think they've done a reboot of that one yet. So you, you have to know. You have to have been been born at the time. But but yeah, I, I like to tell people that if they're going to get the reference, I like to say that that's who I am. And uh, yeah, I've been in the U.S. about 12, almost 12 years now and hoping to uh, start a family soon. I already got a puppy and a kitten and we'll, we'll see where that goes in the future. <laughs> Starting with the fur babies first. Exactly. I have to ask. You grew up in France, came to the United States. I'm trying to figure out this whole world. And somehow you ended up in real estate with multiple properties. At what point in your life were you like, want to know what I should do in this country I've been in for five minutes? Buy property. What yes. got you to that, to that spot? Well, it's, it's actually a funny story because it, the way it fell on me, that's what it felt like was mm -hmm. almost like, you know, you're walking down the street and then one day it's like, oh, wait, I could do that. So basically, I first arrived to the United States for my studies. I was finishing my master's in New York years ago. And, and eventually I started working in sales. So that's how I got to stay here and see a lot of the East Coast and eventually Texas. And then Chicago is where I lived the most. And now I'm back in Texas again. And But when I was in Chicago during my day job, I was... I, I used to have, so I was a property manager and I used to have what we, they call engineers there. So basically the super for New Yorkers. <laughs> and and I, I take care of condominiums and homeowners associations. So there's a board and he let me know that one of the board members was a realtor and she was a lady and she was an investor and she would host a class, I think it was once a month. Back in the days it was in person before COVID. 
And so she would host that class to teach people how to do it and to not so much to teach people how to do it, but more so to show people within an hour time that it's not that hard. And that was kind of like the light bulb moment for me was going to that class. It was one Saturday morning where I was like, hey, I got nothing to do. Let me go check it out. And yes, within that one hour, she convinced me like, hey, it's, it's not that crazy of an idea. I think her webinar was called How to Be a Millionaire Within Five Years. So she would show you how to acquire, I think at the time it was like three properties within three to five years and your net worth should equal to a million by the time you do that. That was the whole idea. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Gotcha. So I got to say, I love the fact that, and you were what, in your 20s at this time? So yeah, you were in your 20. 20s, living in a fun city of Chicago, and you were just like, Saturday morning, nothing to do. Let's go learn something practical, right? You know, and I mentioned that just because it took me to my 30s to be like, hey, maybe I should start paying attention to this thing called money or ever doing anything with that. So I love the fact that you got like an early start. Was it like the title of that that just kind of like piqued your interest that made you say like, hey, maybe I should look more into what this woman's doing? Yes. So I've always wanted to own. Both of my grandparents owned their homes, but none of my parents did. So I always thought I want these yeah. own where I'm living and where I'm from right. because it's very like a, it's a very Midwest kind of area. People usually have like a nice little cozy two-story house with a pool and a yard. And, and in my mind, it was like, oh, that's success. You, you're successful when you get to that level of having the white picket fence house. Right. And so that's what I wanted growing up. I don't remember hiding having a pool, I got to say. But yes, I know. Trust me, I didn't I, have one either as a kid. Like my friends did. And I thought that was pretty cool. So that was the American dream a little bit helped when you said kind of white picket fence. And now not just to what you were used to growing up in France, but because also Heidi didn't have apartment buildings like New York or Chicago are going to, not the recollection that I have. But it sounded like then also kind of when you got here, it was kind of seeing some of those other possibilities, but you still remembering from your childhood how important it was and how it just made sense to own your own place, right? Not necessarily own other people's places, but to at least own your own. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so by the time I got to Chicago, I had already lived in Houston, Texas for about eight months at the time. And I had lived in one of those apartment complex where there's a leasing agent who has an apartment. There's an engineer who has an apartment. And so in my mind, I, I had always wanted to have my own house, but I was also thinking like, hey, how cool would it be to just own one of those? I just play one. I was like, if it's a big enough building, I feel like this could be all I need in life. You know, I just have my right. house and I have one apartment complex that has like, I don't know, at the time I thought, well, how hard could it be to have one that's like 50, 60 units? Which now I know is not, that is, it's not possible, but it's not as easy as I, as I imagined back then. But yeah, it, it was just like, oh, that could be it. That could be like the one key that unlocks everything. I don't need to be a billionaire, but why not? And so it was in the back of my mind, but I had never really thought again, how practical it could be until I went to that seminar. And I was like, oh, wait, not only it's doable, but it's also not that hard and it could also be quick. Okay. Do you feel that that webinar got you more interested in absolutely owning your primary residence? Or was it really that it opened your mind up to owning a rental? Which one of those two things do you feel like you came out of that webinar wanting more? Definitely the rental aspect. That's where I started thinking, oh, I could actually be a landlord myself. I could actually right. take care of those things 
without much help, basically. Knowing that, you know, I was alone in this country, <laughs> 20 years old, and thinking, yeah, this is doable. Right. That's fantastic. After that webinar, what was the takeaway? What was the first step that you were like, okay, I went to this webinar. I'm all energized. I'm all hyped up. Let's go. What was the first thing that you did to get moving with real estate investing? Yeah, so I was lucky. I don't know if it was luck, but it turned out that the lady who was presenting it, who was in one of my boards, she was presenting it because she was a realtor herself. So my first step was basically to reach out to her and say, hey, I'm like, reach out to her personally, I should say. I used to talk to her every day back then at work. But the first thing I did was reach out to her personally and say, hey, I'm actually interested in doing this since you're a realtor. Could you help me out? And so that's what started the, the long list of showings, just me and her on weekends trying to figure out what can I buy. But to go back to your question about what kind of doors did it open in my mind, it really helped me to realize I don't have to buy something huge but also don't have to buy a single family home. So from the beginning, right away, she and I looked at triplex and duplexes. That's what I wanted. I wanted something where I wasn't going to pay the mortgage and loan. Gotcha. Now, at that point in time, had you heard the word house hacking or was it still you? You were like me, right? We didn't know these terms. We were just like, hey, this is a really good idea. We should do it. And just out of curiosity, what was the time span between that webinar Versus when you reached out to her. Well, that was probably a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks at most. Yeah, because like I said, I, I used to talk to her every day at work back then. So I don't think I waited that long. Right. From what I remember, so my mind got open when I was uh, 28. And then I ended up closing three months after my 29th birthday. So the whole thing was only months. Like the whole thing of like going right. to the seminar reaching out to her, going on showings, finding a property, and then actually closing on it. Right. But what I, what I love, though, is that after that webinar, when you had your epiphany that this is really the direction that you wanted to go, you took action. You reached out to her on then that other level to use to talk to her about how you can get your first property. I'm sure she loved that. But I love that you took that action and followed up and at least had that conversation, which I think is a trend when you find people you want to connect with, but we'll talk about that later on. But I love that you still took that chance to reach out to that person and just kind of said like, hey, you inspired me. Let's talk about how I, what I could do, what I could do to be involved, how I can participate. How does this work for me? And you got some yeah. answers. And that's really what kicked that off. It was literally your entire portfolio came, not because you went to the webinar, but because you chose to take action and reach out to her after to get the support you needed. That's really That's where true. it started. So now you are 28 in Chicago, looking at houses. Yeah. What was that like going through the mortgage approval process, the first time home buying process? Did you feel like your team gave you clear answers and supported you? Or were they just kind of like, oh, this kid, calling me trying to buy a house in Chicago. What was kind of the reaction that you felt like you got? Well, so luckily my realtor had a good lender and a good attorney because in Chicago, everything, I think it was the same in New York, everything has to be reviewed by an attorney. And it's not like that mm -hmm. down here in Texas. So that was kind of a, when I started buying down here, I was like, oh, so nobody's going to hold my hand. But in Chicago back then, I knew that there was a, an actual person who literally had to make sure it wasn't a trap. But yeah, it, it really felt like 
I knew the people and not not that I knew them personally, but that I knew they had my best interests at heart. But it was a little daunting, especially that, thank God, the way that I was able to purchase that property, that first triplex, I always say it's it was ours, is because my mom had gotten some money from a, a job settlement. But other than that, it was just me. I mean, I was doing everything. None of my family lives in, in the U.S., so I was doing the entire process alone and figuring it out like along the way by myself. Yeah. So thank God, yeah, I had a good lender and a good attorney and a good realtor who understood like, hey, she's ready to do this. But at the same time, this is her first property and she's not from around here and they're kind of figuring it out. And I should mention, I mean, it's not super important, but my realtor is also uh, from Europe. So I feel like she also kind of understood what it feels to be like, you know, a woman living alone in, in America trying to do that. Right. I said a couple really important things there. One, as you kind of finished with, you found somebody that was relatable to you, right? That understood your specific situation, right? Another woman that had immigrated not only from anywhere, but from Europe itself as well. Really, so there was, she was able to just understand what you're going through a little bit more. And probably, I feel like almost that relationship was probably a, a little familial. Right. Either yeah. kind of like a big sister, kind of like, you know, a surrogate mom here, really kind of like supporting you through that, which probably also helped you feel a more comfortable, confident. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I heard in there was also that she knew the lender. So when we think about building our team, we still are the ones that want to interview everybody and do our due diligence and all the people in the line. But when you can have a realtor and a lender or also your attorney kind of know each other and work together and have that type of relationship, it is very helpful because one, they can kind of do a couple things a little bit behind the scenes that don't just need to have you coordinate. So it really exactly. kind of saves that, which is great, especially as a first time home buyer. But when they're doing multiple deals together, they understand each other's expectations. They like each other. They know how each other follows up. They can really kind of trust what that's like. Doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes I've had a realtor that referred me to an attorney I couldn't stand or put me with somebody that wasn't a fit for me. So those things do happen. But this business is a networking business. It is a referral business. If you find somebody you like, hence when you found your realtor, it was important for you then to be able to say, well, hey, I need a lender too. Hey, I need an attorney as well. Who do you recommend? When you mm -hmm. like and trust somebody, there's a really good chance you're going to like and trust the other person that they are working with and they know. So it was great that you kind of kept that real estate investing cocoon kind of small. So now you use them. You got that first triplex in yeah. Chicago. You yeah. moved into one unit. You rented out the two units. How was it being a young immigrant woman as a landlord? If I'm going to keep it real, the first year was challenging. <laughs> I closed in January, but I didn't move in until March. I think because my lease was ending where it was. I think that's how it worked out. And I didn't find renters until October. And that was March 2020, by the way. Uh, <laughs> great timing. So from March to October, it was just me having to pay that entire mortgage alone and really freaking out, thinking like, oh my gosh, this COVID thing is real. And kind of thinking like, it's not that bad to not share with people. Maybe I don't want everybody touching like, you know, the common doors, doorknobs all the time. But, yeah. but also thinking like, I can't do this forever. And eventually, you know, I'm going to have to make money off of this because that was the plan. And then I found renters 
kind of back to back, which was the funny thing. Like within a month, I found both of them. And wow. as you mentioned, I was living in the third unit. But one of them was not the greatest. So it was very much a baptism by the fire, like that first year and a half of my investing journey of like, first of all, the units, I did, how do you call that? 203 FHA 203K, I think hey, it's called. A 203K loan. So it's a type, yes. just for our listeners that might not be familiar, a 203K loan is a type of FHA loan for owner-occupied people, but the type of loan will allow you to do rehab to a degree on that property and will help include and roll in some of those rehab costs into the loan. So that's what makes a 203K loan fantastic if you plan on owner-occupying yet have to do rehab. Exactly, because I ended up having to oversee the rehab project, then moving in myself, which is stressful in itself, then right. finding renters, which was extremely stressful. Then the renters move in and they weren't the best payers or they had like, you know, like weird questions. Like I remember one time the people upstairs who, who were the, the nicer ones calling me because there was no heat. And I remember going to their apartment and it was probably like, I don't know. I, I don't really understand Fahrenheit. <laughs> like very cold. It was very cold. Exactly. exactly. Listen, very cold is the same in Celsius and Fahrenheit. So that's fine. Exactly. Linda. And so I, immediately I started thinking, because again, this is my first year doing this, but I'm a property manager by this. So I kind of have like a network of vendors at this point. And I start thinking, who am I going to call? What's the problem with the uh, furnace and such? And then it turns out, which I didn't know either, that in Chicago, maybe in other places, there is a switch on the furnace. This is my first building ever. I'm barely entering my 30s. And these two people have to call me to figure out that you just flipped the switch, which again, I didn't know either. But I was like, yeah, but this is not my country and I'm much younger than you. Especially in a place like Chicago, me over here in New York. Those are things that like we don't do. We don't turn our heat on. We don't, honestly, when I was in New York City, I didn't change my own light bulbs. I called my super. I don't have a ladder in a 400 square foot apartment. Where am I going to keep that? Right. Exactly. So those just weren't, those were things that we, when you live in a city and you live that city lifestyle, like those are just things that I never saw a water heater. Or I remember I was looking at a property that had a well. And I was like, What's a well? What was it for? Like, was it operational? Were you supposed to use it? Yeah, the well was used and that's how it drew water into the house. But I had never seen anything that wasn't a sewer, right? Yeah. So like, that was something that I was just like, I remember that somebody asking about it being like, oh, and yeah, like the realtor was showing us like, oh, and here's the well over here. Oh, it was serviced here. And I remember looking at my realtor, I'm like, what's a well? Like, what, what do we do with this? Because I'm sitting there trying to save face being like, mm-hmm. That's a, that's a really nice looking well you got over there because I'm like, what do we do with this thing? Because it just isn't something that we've ever had to really deal with. You know, at least I understood how sewers worked a little bit because of living in the city, but like, we just don't know those things. Right. And it's exactly. the same for, even if you're not an investor, that's still something very similar for any first time homeowner. This is why we all go to Home Depot on the weekends to talk about things and to share information because we just aren't in a situation when you're renting, you just don't have, there's certain things that you just do not have to do. I remember the first property we closed on, there was a leak running through all four floors of this multifamily. <laughs> and the corner, like literally on day one, that the day after we closed, I mean, this was a huge leak through the property and it was running through the electrical box. 
Oh, my God. And we're like, do you call an electrician or do you call a plumber? You call the fire department. Want know what I did? I called my mother. Right? Like, I mean, because it was just like, what am I supposed to do in this sense? And then even when she was like, oh, well, no, you want to make sure to, like, call the plumber. And I'm like, okay, so, mom, how do I do that? Right? Like, how? <laughs> you know, because it was just, we're, once again, buying a home and owning that property itself is a learning curve in addition to then actually being an investor. So exactly. We now got your triplex. We got the heat on. We got all your tenants there. And then you decided to move to Texas. Yes. So that was a total personal decision. Like there was nothing professional that was leading me to move. But yeah, we wanted to leave Chicago. And I say we because it was with my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. We were not even engaged yet. Just to make things harder. <laughs> and so we, we wanted to leave Chicago, but we didn't really know where we wanted to go. It was kind of like a, the world is your oyster situation, which I don't know why Houston was the oyster. But, uh, <laughs> but we decided to, to leave. And at that point, I decided, okay, I'm going to sell the triplex. And we were hesitating between California and Texas. But he had family here in Texas. In California, was a little bit outside of our budget from selling the triplex. Right. So we got to uh, Houston. And that right. was when I reached out to our lady landlords at the time. <laughs> yes. I remember. So you had heard me speak at a summit or conference or something. And then, and I remember, the, I remember you asking questions. I remember after my talk, I remember you raising your hand, being like, yep, I have questions. And then you reached out. We connected. And at that time, I was taking people through our mentorship program and helping women be able to build out that plan and strategy that they needed. And I remember that you had come to me, you were just about to leave Chicago for Texas at that point in time. What made you feel stuck? So I think it was more fear than stuck. I was scared of the next step. Because when I bought the house, so like I said, I did a FHA two or three kit because the house was not in very good condition. Right. So when I when I bought it, I wanted to buy, but it was like, ah, if it's not this one, it will be another. But when you're selling and you're selling because you're moving, it, it's like, well, you have to sell. You, you, it, there's no other house. There's always another buyer, uh, but it adds that stress that like it has to to happen. And we wanted to repaint our unit, I remember. So when I reached out to you, it was in the midst of, we want to move, but we have to repaint and we have to sell. And where are we going? And are we going to buy? As soon as we get there, are we going to rent first? And all of those things were in my mind. And I was like, all right, I need somebody to kind of like figure it out for me. But from an objective point of view, I can't ask right. my parents. I can't ask my friends. I can't ask my boyfriend at the time. Because they're going to think about it too personally. I need somebody who's going to look at the facts and tell me like, hey, this is how I think you should go. And then the rest is up to you. But at least that's my unbiased opinion. And that was you. Right. Thank you. I also felt like we had to map out a lot of that. You had a lot in your head of like, should we do this? Should we do this? How is this going to work? How is this going to work? And I felt like I had to take like all those pieces. And because I felt like I can see that. And I see this all the time with our members in the inner circle is that all these ideas kind of like running around their head are just weighing on them and causing undue stress because they're like oh my god but what about this part or what about this part and I feel like what we were able to do was just kind of take all those things in your brain take them out map them into a reasonable order answer questions close some of those loops create that strategy 
in also a way that we were just objectively looking at facts, mm-hmm. not other people's bias. Oh, you should have moved to Texas. You should move home to France. Oh, you should wait till you're married, right? Like there wasn't any of that. But it was really just saying from that real estate investing perspective, what would be the most logical thing for you to do mm-hmm. to grow this portfolio during this sale and relocation? Exactly. And what I liked is that I remember at the time I told you that we were thinking about getting married. So you you told me like, hey, this is also something that financially you're going to have to face. So what's yeah. the plan for that as well? And and there were like some like me personal goals that that I wanted to achieve that we briefly touched on. And I like that. I like incorporating everything into this big pot and kind of like talking it out. Like, hey, how do you entangle this web now? Right. And we are more than real estate investors, right? So many of our listeners out there are moms and nurses and doctors and have multiple jobs and schedules for kids and partners and whatever else it may be teachers, you know, everybody has something else going on. Real estate investing, what I love about this is that this supplements what we are supposed to do, but we are so much more than just real estate investors. And we need to consider all of the things that go into real estate, because if this is going to be the vehicle that's going to get us the things that we want the most in our life, it's not, I can tell you when I talk to investors, it's not the money they're after. They're after a lifestyle. They're after that freedom. They're after the choice. They're after what other things that they could do in their life. Yes, does money help them be able to do those things? Absolutely. But nobody's ever come to me and been like, hey, I just want these dollars. Yeah. Everybody is really looking for the thing that those dollars are going to allow them to do. And we have to always be looking at how we build a portfolio based on well, do you want kids? Are you going to want to stay home mm-hmm. with those kids? That's going to be a different type of replacing your income than if you're saying, no, I'm going to retain my job, but mm-hmm. I want to go to a part-time role and I need real estate to to pick up that 50% of my salary rather than 100% of my salary and benefits and medical and a 401k. It's got to replace all that. Those are very different things and you need to kind of consider those when deciding what properties you're buying, what that portfolio is going to look like. So- I'm glad that was really helpful for you because we are more than real estate investors and we shouldn't ever lose sight of that. Yeah. And that's really the thing that I took out the most out of doing the mentorship program was that aspect that you just mentioned, which is, hey, you as a person, like what's going to work for you based on your situation that may not work for everyone. I mean, I, I still do, but at the time I listened to even more audio books and watch even more YouTube videos and read so many books. And I felt like, okay, this is great in theory, but like, you know, as selfish as it sounds, what about me? <laughs> right. And, right. And it really helped me to discuss that out with you as the expert. Like for me, I was like, okay, this is somebody who cannot just help me because they are unbiased, but also because they know what I'm trying to do. Like if I want to be an investor, I'm not going to talk to a professional, I don't know, CPA. Like, yeah, they might help me for the financial aspect. But they may not realize so many women and lady landlords I always see where they're like, oh, I went to talk to my banker and my banker told me, don't do that. This is too risky. I'm like, no, I want somebody who's going to see that it's possible. Right. There were so many different financial advisors and bankers and all that. And also a lot of people we have are kind of unconscious bias. So I can also tell you how often I hear a woman from lady landlords kind of tell me like, oh, well, I wanted to invest in real estate years ago. Oh, but my financial advisor got burned in a real estate venture. So he never recommends real estate or, oh, my, my realtor said that 
you know, it's horrible being a landlord. So told me not to buy a multifamily. And it's like, okay, well, great. Like those are those people's opinions, but mm-hmm. others' opinions should not dictate the things that we want in our life or that we're really mm-hmm. looking for. Right? Exactly. So- and, and I like that too. I feel like you really tried to ask me, hey, what is your goal? And, right. and not just like, oh, I think you should do that because that's what worked for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know how your husband would feel about it if I was just like, hey, so actually, I think you two should move to Alabama and and Connor's going to change his job to this, right? Like that's that's what I feel like the whole point of this is. And I feel like working in the mentorship, one of the things that brings me the most amount of joy from working with the women in the group is I feel like I get to play with like a Rubik's Cube every day, right? And every single time it's completely different. And every time I have somebody's different financial situation and somebody's different goals and I get to play and manipulate that cube until mm-hmm. really coming up with what's going to be a plan that's really going to get them in the direction of where they want to go. And what I think is really cool is you and I talked a little bit of time later and you were like, hey, so everything that we wrote out in my roadmap actually happened and came true. Yes. And I thought it was so cool. So we had our session. I went through the mentorship. Then you moved down to Texas. What was What came next for you? that we built out in that roadmap once you got down to Houston. Yeah, so at first we decided to to rent a place. From selling the triplex, I got the first rental, which we managed together, uh, but it, that one is, is to my name and it was purely uh, investment because we knew we wanted to buy the one that we were going to live in together, especially because for my husband, it was going to be his first house. So there was going to be some like right. first-time home buyer incentives. Uh, but we didn't want to rush into it, especially Houston is very spread out as a city. Uh, so we didn't want to just buy from afar without knowing where we we're going to be. So we first rented, got the, the rental. Well, we rented a place that we lived in and got the rental, rented out to other people. And then eventually bought a house that we're in right now, which is uh, at the time we wanted another multifamily. Felt like it wasn't as easy to find down here as it was in Chicago. So we ended up finding a home that has a garage apartment. And that was kind of like our compromise. And now we got those two properties, which are technically three doors. And now yeah. we're on to the next one uh, in 2024. 2023 was kind of like the, the break for to tie the knot. <laughs> yes. And, and we need that. So actually, I'm happy that you brought that up. Because in there, there were two times where you said, I need to pause real estate investing. The first, and I remember the conversation with you during the mentorship. When you moved to Houston, you needed to learn your way around. You needed to look into neighborhoods. You needed to learn the lay of the land. Once again, it wasn't like you were moving there because you loved East Houston, right? It's not like you it's not like you were going because there was a certain particular place that you wanted to live. And I love the fact, and I remember talking to you even when you moved down there on like your balcony at that rental and just being like, here we are. We're in this area. I get to see this. I get to explore here. I get to explore here. I know you've helped many of our members and lady landlords also navigating areas of Houston and helping finding contacts, but that was also a world you had to plug into was now the real estate investing community down there. So then you had to find a whole new realtor and a new lender. And once again, Mm -hmm. Texas with attorneys, you didn't necessarily have to find that, but it was something that you had to kind of go back through and put those pieces together. But I'm happy that you took the time to get Mm -hmm. to know Houston and to learn kind of the areas that you wanted to be in and say, hey, where would be a good investment? Where would be a good place, especially when you were going to be living in it? Where would be that good rental property? So it made perfect sense for you in your situation 
to rent for a period mm-hmm. of time when you first got there. Get comfortable and get settled in and learn the lay of the land. Once again, that's not something that necessarily would have worked for everybody else. But it was okay for you to be a renter for a mm-hmm. period of time. Sometimes I'll tell you a secret, Linda, I would just love to go and rent from like a luxury high-rise apartment building where I could just call somebody else with all my problems, right? I was exactly like, oh, we did. Oh my God, for months, I loved it. I was like, there's a leak. Just call right. maintenance. Right. I would like anything that did not work perfect. I would just call somebody else, right? Because as landlord, that's always falls on us. There were absolutely times that like my husband and I look at each other and we're like, those waterfront buildings are looking really nice right now. But it was okay and it made sense for you guys to take that break, especially because you were looking for a place you were going to live for a longer period of time. But it mm-hmm. made sense to pick up a rental, something that was just going to be a pure investment property that would still bring in some of that extra income, especially from the sale of the triplex back in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it was a great way to still continue to bring some of that income in. Then after that point, when you were there for a little bit of time, now you knew where you guys wanted to go. Now you knew that area. And I think once again, it was a beautiful compromise since two families weren't necessarily in the area that you were, were to be able to find something that had a second apartment. And honestly, as somebody that lives in a stackable duplex, I would love to have my tenants over there by the garage, not on top of my head. So when you think about it, that also worked out kind of how it was supposed to, but it gave you the ability to find that forever home. To me, that's the conclusion I get from all those lessons along the way so far is really that like, I feel like everything happens for a reason. And for example, the house that we have right now, some some financial things happened last year where we were thinking, hey, we are going to find that triplex in Houston, even if that's the only one there is in Houston. And then those financial things happened and it was like, oh, now our budget has changed. How can right. we go around it? And it was for the best because the house that we live in now, we love until we move. Like we love it for the for the time being. We know it's not going to be our forever house. But right. along the way, I've always found that it's like, hey, whether it's a setback or just something that, you know, you realize after the fact, you're like, wait, that all happened for a reason. And like when you say, for example, you know, having renters ab- above me in Chicago, we had renters above another. So right now I'm like, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> like when our garage apartment was rented a traveling nurse recently with her family, it was so awesome because they have their own entrance barely ever saw them and it's like oh my god this is such a different experience than the one we had before and the reason why we found it that way was because yes there were some financial setbacks but we also knew a little bit better what we wanted and i love that i love that aspect of the journey of investing is that along the way you realize hey i may not want this but i may want that and and that's the beauty of it and then also it gives you a little bit more in the situation you are now with the apartment over the garage, it kind of gives you, you and your tenant, a little bit more of a single family kind of lifestyle, right? Rather than like the stackable, like more urban city type of duplexes. So I think that's also great being newlyweds to have, to feel like you have a little bit more of like your own space with that. And then this year with getting married, and as you mentioned, the beginning of the episode, really doing two weddings, one here in the States to just have things official, but then to really have your wedding party back in France, it allowed you to do that. Not only, Mm -hmm. and once again, screw the financial help and support that that was able to do, but it must have also really been nice to be like, I can take this time 
to have the wedding of my dreams and the way that mm-hmm. I really want to have it, to be able to to travel, to take that time, to be able to make it work financially, to be able to just say, hey, I don't need to buy a house right now. I'll do that after. I don't yeah. need to pile that on top of everything else that I'm doing. 2024, back on it, right? But that's something that necessarily you didn't have to do in addition, if the perfect opportunity arose, maybe you still would have went for it. But it was really nice that you could just say, cool, I can kind of turn off this spigot. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for a rental property. Don't need that extra cash flow today. And mm-hmm. now, hey, wedding's over. Weddings are pricey. Let's turn that spigot back on and let's really be able to find something else that's going to be able to bring in some of that extra income, right? So you were able to mm-hmm. do that before the wedding. Now talking about starting a family, same thing cool, let's buy a property or two to help kind of bring in the extra cash because from what I hear, babies are kind of expensive. So it's a good opportunity. That's what I've been told to really, too. Uh-huh. So that would be really something great to be able to start putting that into place. And then it'll be the same thing. Then as a new mom, hey, mm-hmm. we're taking some time off here and we can now do that because we have that income coming in. Kind of great. And that's really the flexibility that I love about real estate investing. I mean, when you said earlier, you've never met somebody who's wanting to do this just to like touch the dollars themselves. Right. For me, that's that's what it will unlock in the long run is uh, being from France, but my husband being from here, I've always wanted to have that opportunity to just go back and forth and and explore right. other parts of the world and and that's and be with family whenever I want and not just like once a year because everybody lives far. And so that's what what we're doing this for. (laughs) Right. So when thinking about this next property, do you have in mind what you think it'll be? Is it going to be in Houston? Is it going to be somewhere else? What are we, do we know what we're thinking? (laughs) We're thinking that we want the next one to be in Europe. We don't know which country yet. Yeah. His family's from Ireland. So we're thinking about that. We're also thinking about Switzerland since my hometown is so close to that. I personally don't want to go back to France, but I'm not close to the idea of owning property there obviously uh because you know it's where i'm from so that's that's another thing where we're like we know it's gonna happen but because it's gonna be such a process we're taking our time and and it's nice it's nice to think about it and and definitely like you said we had put things on pause in 2023 but basically as soon as we got home two weeks ago it was like all right next project (laughs) what do we do now and so it's cool to know we have time but it's also something like to work on slowly but surely. That's fantastic. What would you say to a woman out there that's like, man, I so want to buy real estate. I so want to get started. I so want to be able to do this, but I just don't know where to go right now. Ooh. I think that I would say you have to find that one person or the, you know, for me it was a person, but you have to find that one thing that makes you take the first step. Because once you take the first step, I feel like it will unlock all the other ones. And it's a little cliche, you know, a thousand step journey always starts with the first one. But really, for me, that's that's how it was. And it's funny because that's also kind of how I moved to the United States in the first place. I really thought I was doing my studies and I really thought if I could find a job, I'll stay. And I stayed. And then for real estate, it was like, hey, let me start with this trap flex. And then I fell in love with it. And I just right. think that, yeah, it, you have to force yourself to take the first action. Because if you take the first action, it really unravels from there. Aww. And you're completely right. And it's, I feel like this whole journey is like a consistent, that first step, right? 
let's just, we need to take that action. We need to decide to know how we're going to go to move forward. And those little tiny steps, those first steps just really add up to something really beautiful. So Linda, thank you so much for joining me today and walking all of our listeners through your story today. I appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. To our listeners out there, please make sure to hit that subscribe button so you do not miss the next episode of the Lady Landlords podcast. We release new podcasts every single Tuesday. Also, if you enjoyed our episode today, please make sure to leave a five-star review and tell us about how much you enjoyed the show. We will see you all back in the Lady Landlords Facebook group. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Lady Landlords podcast. If you're feeling stuck in your real estate investing journey, visit lady-landlord.com to book a 15-minute orientation call with me and see if you're ready to join our mentorship program. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter and join our Facebook group for exclusive real estate investing tips and offers. Invest with confidence. Become a Lady Landlord today.